conference, a group pictures are taken with the bishop, and that's put in our journals so that we can remember. It is a group of uh, the cabinet, the bishop and the cabinet, the bishop and those who have retired from service, uh, pastors that are retiring, and a group with the bishop who are being commissioned and the bishop and those who are being ordained. In 2013, I gathered in the picture-taking room on the second floor of First United Methodist Church of Richardson as a part of the commissioning class. And in that class was Zach Landis. You all remember Zach. We began to line up. In this room, there was a chair, a row of chairs uh, in, in an odd number so that the bishop could obviously sit in the center and those could be around him. As we began to gather and kind of line up to take our picture, the bishop quickly realized that Carol and I were the only women in that class. And so in kind of funning and teasing way, he said, I guess the two of you can figure out who's going to sit on my right and who's going to sit on my left. Well, I decided to be a little sassy, and I said, well, bishop, I kind of remember there's a parable about that, to which he kind of gave me a raised eyebrow and said, oh, shush up, Cassie. And I took my place to his left. (laughs) Seating arrangements have been that thing that we've agonized over throughout the centuries. Whether it's the wedding arrangement at at uh, at the reception afterwards. Do we dare put Aunt Sally next to Uncle Bob? Or what about so and so next to so and so? And then there's the agony of where should people sit at a big fundraising event? Should, should it be our larger donors that get the seats up front? And, and who sits at the, at the front table? And, and who sits at the back of the room? And then we even complicate things further when we gather around the holiday season. And we realize quickly that there's not enough room at the adult table, so we try to decide who among us is going to sit at the children's table. Yes, much energy, thought, and even tears have gone into what is the position of our guests at table. And this is not new. Jesus saw it happening before him. And so he decides to recommend a new set of table instructions. He shares this with the guests who have gathered at a meal that he has been invited to. This story in Luke's gospel is found in the 14th chapter, beginning with verse 1. And then I'm going to skip to verse 7 through 14. Listen now to God's holy word. On one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of the leader of a Pharisee to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited to someone, by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at a place of honor. In case someone more distinguished than you has been invited to be your guest, and the host who invited both you and that other person may come and say to you, give this person your place, and then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. All who are exalt, exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
He also said to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. First century protocol had this clear understanding of how the table is ordered. Whether that protocol came out of the dominant Roman culture or it was practiced among the Jewish customs, it was clear. So when Jesus arrived, the guests were jockeying around for a position at the table. Now, unlike our tables, theirs were not usually raised. They were on the ground or close to the ground, and people reclined. So as they came up, the seat was not taken, but rather they squeezed themselves in. Because protocol says wherever the host sits, all else will go in order of importance and position away from the host. And so Jesus watches them do this, and he decides to take advantage of the fact that he's already drawn attention to himself on the Sabbath. And so he begins to teach. And he points out the difference between our human notion of position and importance. And he tells, us, tells them a story about how God's vision and God's kingdom is different than our human notion of those things. You see, those who come at the table seeking to exalt themselves or honor themselves had not yet understood God's ways. Jesus explains that in God's kingdom, this host is the one who invites, and it is the host who determines who gets to sit. Take a seat at the lowest position, he says so that perhaps your host will come and say, friend, move up higher. Jesus recommends to his friends that they should take a lower position so that they would not exalt themselves and be humbled, but that they would humble themselves and be exalted. This disturbing story that Jesus reveals about the human order of things also comes with a promise. You see, he says in God's kingdom, all are invited to the table. All who earnestly love Christ are invited to the table. We say that in our liturgy. And in God's kingdom, I imagine that the table is not square, that the table is round, and that no one has more power than another because our power comes from God. And at the center of that table is the ultimate host, and that is Christ. Because God believes everyone is worthy, everyone is important. Important enough to place Christ at the center of our human salvation. Jesus then turns to the host and criticizes the host for those who he has invited. He says, don't invite your friends and your family. You should invite and 
those people that are at the margins, the people that Jesus hung out with. Jesus says they are the lame, the poor, the blind. I might also add the socially awkward or the broken or the lonely or the hurting. Anyone who cannot repay you in kind or in favor is the one that we should invite to the table. As Jesus' followers, we are to invite people that are outside of our social circles. Perhaps we are to invite people with different backgrounds and different understandings of the world, a different worldview than we have. The challenge that Jesus offers here is for those of us who, who follow this risen Christ is that we begin to understand our tables on this earth as reflective of the table that is set in heaven by Jesus. We must determine where will we sit and who will we invite. It was a Sunday morning, just like any other Sunday morning. We were over in the fellowship hall. We were uh, eating donuts and drinking coffee and sharing the different events of the week when all of a sudden the kitchen door opens up and in comes John Patrick Bonato. John Patrick introduced himself. He was on his way from way up in Washington State down to the Rio Grande Valley, but he was taking that journey by way of a bicycle. John was a wee little man. He was graying in his temples. He had a big, white, bushy beard and sparkling blue eyes. He was a little bit nervous and edgy, and yet he came in with a clear... Um, request. He said, I need somebody to help me get a night at the hotel up here. I really need to sleep in a bed one more night. I said, sure, John Patrick, let's go over to my office. I'll get you a voucher. And as we walked over there, he told me a little bit about himself. John Patrick had served in Vietnam era, and uh, he had come back to the States and had somewhat of a career. And uh, then things began to kind of fall apart for him couldn't quite hold things together in his everyday life. He was raised Catholic, and he began to tell me, as so many do, why he doesn't go to church, and yet he still worships God by worshiping creation around him. And so as we ended our conversation, I said to him, John Patrick, I invite you to come back and worship with us here in a little bit, and we will be having communion and realizing his background as Catholic. I said, this communion table is open to you. He said, sure, I'll be back, and then he left. And I didn't figure I'd see him. Often I did not see them whenever they came and asked on Sunday morning. But as I got ready for worship and I was lining up outside the door that was similar to this one and getting ready to process in with the choir, I could see there's that John Patrick out in the pews. He was sitting right here. He was talking with people around him, and, and they were being friendly, and I was really glad. And then he kind of got a little agitated, and he went up, and he went over and sat over there for a little bit. And I was kind of excited that he was worshiping with us that morning. But just as the organ started to play and we got ready to, uh, to process in, he pops up, he comes down the center aisle, he gets in front of the chancellery, he kneels and he crosses himself, and then he comes out the door and he says to us, I'm going to leave this place, you're too rich for me. Wow, that one hurt. That one hurt deep in my heart. It, it kind of 
rattled me. I have to admit, throughout most of the service, I was distracted by what he had said. But we got through the service, we got to the part of the table when I was offering the invitation, I said, Christ invites to his table all who love him, and all of a sudden the door opens again, and there is John Patrick. He comes in and he kneels right in front of the chancel area, he crosses himself, and then he goes back and sits in the pew. As people are gathering around the table and I begin to serve, I look out at him and he says, I'm not going, he mouths these words, I'm not going to take communion. I, I nod to him, I said, that's fine. But I realize as I get around the table, he is at the end. And when I take that piece of bread and I get ready to give that piece of bread to him, I say, the body of Christ broken for you, John Patrick. He goes like this, he closes his eyes, he opens his mouth and sticks out his tongue. <laughs> Suddenly I realize that his Catholic background was that I would put the bread in his mouth and so I pop that piece of bread right in that man's mouth. But along with me, serving with me, was 15-year-old Kobe and as he was passing the trays and saying, the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation, the cup of salvation, he got to John Patrick and he said, the cup of salvation given for you. John Patrick went like this, opened his mouth. Kobe looked a little bit surprised, and so he said, the cup of salvation given for you. And they went on like this for a little bit till Kobe finally figured it out, and he picked up that little cup, and he handed it to John Patrick, and he said, the cup of salvation given for you. And Patrick took and received that little cup of salvation. So John Patrick that day reshaped my understanding of the table instructions that are at play in God's table. And it profoundly touched my heart. And it changed me in a, in a very profound way. And I believe that it probably touched the hearts of others as well. Because someone later that day bought him lunch at the Green Frog next door. Another person went over to True Value and picked up that part that he needed for his bicycle and paid for that. And another person paid for his hotel room. Now, I don't know that because the donors told me. I know that because... As I went around town to pay the bills that I had told John Patrick I would pay for him, I learned that they had already been taken care of. You see, friends, our table is an open table. It does not belong to us. It belongs to Christ. It does not belong to this church or even to this denomination. It is Christ's table. Everyone who is invited to this table, which is every single one of you, is deemed to be worthy, is deemed to have importance. So when you come this morning, where will you sit? And more importantly, who will you invite? Amen.